you great guests and who share their positive life example stories. And today we have a wonderful guest by the name of Natalie Gauci, who happens to be an award-winning recording and performing artist, producer, songwriter, vocal coach, and a mother. And she uh, joins me today. Welcome to the podcast, Natalie. Appreciate Hi. it. Thank you for having me. Thank no, you. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, as I mentioned, it's about a positive life examples and yours is definitely uh, got a few of those in your journey. Um, so I just wanted to start, you actually, I mean, everybody knows you as uh, the singer, the entertainer, uh, idol winner, as uh, everybody knows, but you actually started as a child actress. Correct. Is that correct? Yes. So how did that all start for you? Is it you joined, is that what you loved doing first or? Uh, well, I think my mum named me after Natalie Wood, the actress and yep. uh, singer. And she said from when I was in her womb that she just knew that I was going to be a star. That's what she said. And so I guess my, um, my, uh, I guess my mission in life has always been to just work on what, how do I shine this? How do I shine like a star? You know, cause if someone tells you when you're born, oh, you're going to be a star then even from a young age, I was wondering, oh, well, how do I be a star, you know? And so I think when I was three, my mum saw that I was singing and dancing. And so she put me into dance classes and gave me a microphone from three years old. And uh, so after that, she said that I asked her, how do I be on television? And I think I was about seven or eight. And so she did some research, like back then, you know, we had the yellow pages. So, you know, you look up the whatever in there. So she looked up acting agencies and she found, she found the best acting agency called um, Bambini, which is still around. And they do big castings for children and adults now. And anyway, I went and did an audition for her and she said, yes, you know, Natalie's got that gift. We'll take her on and... I got work pretty much straight away. I think I was doing Barbie commercials and lots of different commercials, lots of children's television shows. Yeah. And I did, and then I hosted a TV show from when I, in my teenage years for a couple of years on about computers when the internet came out. So yeah, I was doing TV from really young age. Wow. And that, you know, you said that they say you're going to be a star, but it doesn't happen. Like, it's not an overnight thing. There's a journey for you to get there. And you have had, you were actually uh, performing, I think 17 years of age, you would, you had your own band and you were yeah. performing and uh, an album, an EP. And I think you actually also, and correct me if I'm wrong, Natalie, you went to the US and they told you to come back <laughs> and create your own story, which That's you right. obviously did. So, I mean, That's I've heard right. that so many times with people I've interviewed. <laughs> Especially from the US. I don't know what's with the US people, but... Um, <laughs> go uh, home, create go a story home. in your own country and then yeah. come back, you yeah. know? So, so the point is, it, never, it doesn't happen overnight, as we all know, but your journey, you were performing at that age and doing gigs nationally, is that correct? Yeah, so when going back to the acting, uh, I used to love Jennifer Kite. And I wanted to be Jennifer Kite. I wanted to be a journalist on television. And I probably will end up being that one day, mm-hmm. just not quite yet. But at that age, I think I was eight or nine. And I used to go, I used to 
sit sit and create a setting in in the lounge in the rumpus room and i'd go mum you go on the camera i said to my sister you be the lighting my brother you know i was giving everyone direction on how to film me and i had the script written out i was doing i was making up the news and making up you know things that were going on and dressing up like jennifer kite putting the lipstick on <laughs> as soon as mum put me into into this acting my first ever job was to be a mini Jennifer Kite on a show called Steve Vizard. You probably yeah, remember Yeah, yeah, I remember, Vizard. yeah. Wow, yeah. So that was my first ever job as an actress, you know, and it's like, I think we have, uh, I've always had a spiritual gift. Like, I think God has always been there for me. So I've always had an independent life with this spiritual, um, like, connection. It's like yeah. I knew something yeah. was going to happen and then it happened. So I was preparing for it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think I've always lived my life like that. So I'm always preparing for the thing that God is de giving me a destiny to do without me even really realizing. Yeah, and yeah. it's not till I've got to my 40s now, I understand kind of how it works better. But in my 30s, after, so after, because when I was 17, 18 doing the band, I think I was just in it at back then, you know? I was just going where, where the flow was, the band just happened, the music just happened, the gigs came. Like it was just one thing after the other that just kept happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. that's how it's always been. Yeah, and for those who are listening overseas, we've got a lot of listeners overseas, the Steve Vizard show uh, was a very popular variety show here in Australia. So um, that's, and um, so then you came back to Australia after they told you to create your own story. Yeah. And did you go straight audition to, for idols straight after that or you just came back and did more of what you were doing before? No, I was actually in a relationship in my early 20s um, with someone who was also a musician. And we, we had a business together where we would do corporate gigs a lot. And I was waking up at like two o'clock in the morning most nights writing music and having these visions of what my music was going to be for my for, for songs and poems and and I just kept that all in the closet and I just didn't have the confidence to share it with people and the I guess the partner that I had at the time was like seeing me for who I was and he's just like you know, because he could see my family telling me to go on Australian Idol. And every time we went and did gigs, people would come up to me and say, you should go on Australian Idol. Because that was like the biggest thing back yeah, then was Australian yeah, Idol. Absolutely. And so, you know, four years of this went on, four years. And mm -hmm. I was like from 21 to 24 and thinking, should I, should I not? Is it good for my career? I don't know. And so the whole time I was questioning my life, it wasn't till I started building that confidence and then I think my, my boyfriend at the time was realizing that I was getting confident. And he said to me, if you ever go on Australian Idol, I'm going to break up with you. And wow. that was the moment I thought, hmm, why would someone say that to me? Like I had to, I, I actually went deep inside myself and I said, do I really want to be on a big stage? Do I really want to get out there and have millions of fans hear my music? Yeah. Yes. So like, I just had this really strong calling to do it after that. Yep. And I broke up with him and I said, actually, this is what I want. 
I want this. I don't want to have just the corporate gigs with the family, you know, the happy marriage and the thing. Like I wanted that, but I also wanted to, to live my life with my calling that, that I felt I was born to be. Yeah. But I had to break away from also my mother's expectations, my family's expectations. I had to be completely free to really shine that light and speak my voice and be that, you know, be that artist. Yeah. And even when I did the audition for Australian Idol, Dico and Mark Holden, the judges, were arguing about should she be on this show? She's an artist. And in this show, they sing covers. And, you know, so it was always a battle for me internally and externally on the show. Right. Um, you know, and that battle went on for, for a long time. Right. And even uh, after I won. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you won for everyone listening overseas who doesn't know. Natalie was the 2007 Australian Idol winner. But the whole, was the experience, what, what, I mean, you mentioned how, what happened, but how did you, how did that uh, experience, the whole idol experience make you feel afterwards? Were you fulfilled of what you wanted to do or was it just one crazy tornado that you were thrown into? I felt like during the show, I was really fulfilled because I had so much support. There was a therapist, there was you know, hairdressers and security and a chef and, you know, telling me what healthy food to eat. I had the opportunity to have good night's sleeps. I didn't have any distractions. Yeah. And in that kind of world, it's awesome because I was able to just really focus on what I was there to do. And it wasn't about winning. It was about being the best person and, and performer I could be and, and just live the music I wanted to live. So I was still able to stay up at night and produce music on my laptop and take it into, you know, into John Foreman and I'd show him some beats and then we'd kind of like together in that hour make up like my own version of my own song, even though it was a cover, I was able to create something of myself and bring myself into it and my emotion into it. And it was some of the best healing I, I think I could ever get. Like when I look back at that time, it was just, it was like miracles were happening in my life every day. And I was actually starting to question because it was so good. I'm like, is this what life is? Is this what we're meant to live this life of amazing blessings and miracles every day? And this negative voice was coming in trying to stop me from believing that this life, that a good life can, you can actually live a good life and a happy life and things just happen, you know? Yeah. But for so long, I guess, and we're all, all given this in life, like, you know, we've got the constant news of negative things. We've got the constant talk of, oh, you know, death or whatever, all these fears that come into our life to try and stop us from actually having an amazing life. So I was like, is this rigged? Is somebody controlling this? Like, how can this be so good? Yeah. You know, it was like that for me. Yeah. And that was my internal battle. So during the show, I had that nurturing where, you know, Greg, the director would say to me, yes, Natalie, this is, this is what we want for you. This is what you deserve. This is what, but because of, uh, I guess, you know, something that happened to me in my teenage years that a trauma, um, of abuse that happened to me, I, I didn't realize that I had a um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. So I was going through this um, 
uh, fame and fortune and, and given this amazing opportunity, but I wasn't taught how to use it properly. Right. So when I got into the big Sony machine, there was a lot of things going on in that record label that I had no idea about. It never, it never came to me. I was never hurt by Sony. Uh, I was only ever given opportunities by them. But because of the fact that it was such a male dominated industry, I felt like that abuse that happened to me as a child, I was reenacting with these men in the industry, but they weren't doing anything to me. It was just me not accepting the love that, that, I, that I didn't get. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah. I actually really self-sabotaged my way after Australian Idol and I destroyed any opportunity that God was bringing me like through Sony, through my relationships. And it was like I had the angel on one side and the devil on the other side, these voices. And I was choosing to go with people that had that, the devil voice rather than the angel voice. Yes. Yeah, so and so all, yeah. So all the people that were telling me I was amazing, telling me that I did, you know, we're going on a national tour. People love you. I'm thinking, no, they don't. You're just telling me that they do. People didn't vote for me on the show. You know, all, all voice like that just lies. Absolute yeah, yeah. lies in my head. Yeah. So, so do you think, um, I know, I, I see a couple of cultures like the US culture, North America and, and parts of Europe like Italy because I'm from there. They, I think, I could be wrong, I'd, I'd like to know your point of view. They, are, uh, they motivate and inspire individuals with talent more than other cultures. I don't want to say Australia. Australia... I think as Australia has a tall poppy syndrome oh, yes. thing. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, I feel even when I talk to people, say from North America, they're so so confident and inspiring. So and and that must help as an artist, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think in Australia we always have been trained to go for the underdog all the time. So we always have to play ourselves down and tell ourselves, oh well, you know, maybe we don't deserve it. Maybe we're not worthy. Maybe we're not, you know, but Europeans, you know, we, that's the thing that I was always brought up with with my nonna. She says to me, you know, you got to, don't care what people think. Don't care yeah. what people think. Just live your life. Don't care what people think. Yeah. But that's one voice out of the whole society that we that's get, right. you know, drummed in. So that is ingrained in me from when I was little, but you know, we still have to go face the world. We go to school. We get indoctrinated into this kind of um, mentality. So the question is, how do we, uh, how do we become a society that is going to give us praise and going yeah. to bring us joy in our hearts to be that success that that God wants us to be? Hundred percent. I've I always follow this saying is uh, uh, the way I said is just our role is to be a good human being, help others, and if you can't do that, just get out of the way so someone else can. So well, that's true. That's you know, true. And I don't think we do enough of that. And that's going back to your point of how do we get to that positive, so, uh, you know, influence. And yeah, there's so much in it. social media, the news that doesn't help. But uh, but I did, you know, see I did notice a lot of the country, couple of countries were very supportive of their up and coming youth and even oh, young kids. Yeah. 
like I, I had family in Italy, that young seven-year-old cousin when I first met her, she was focused on looking and maintaining herself, what she ate, the yogurt she ate so she could continue. And I'm going, how confident is that at seven years of age? Right? Yes. So, uh, yes. But, it, but going back to your uh, idol experience, that took you to um, many places around Europe and the US and obviously you released your your platinum album, which had international success and the single yes. Here I Am. And you actually, did you perform with Chaka Khan? No, she was okay. there on a different stage. Different stage, right. So we were all performing like at different times. So she had the main stage and I had the boat stage, which was like on the side. Right. So after, so I think it was, she performed first, which was really unusual. Yeah, they she normally performed go. first, yeah. So I saw her driving past me in the car and then she's like parked and I'm setting up. And so after she's playing, I'm playing. Wow. And so well, everybody that saw Chaka Khan saw me. Excellent. It well, was pretty awesome. So you, you were the star performer on the evening. I was. Yeah, they're excellent. like, oh, we loved you. You're one, some people were saying, oh, my goodness, you're like the next Chaka Khan. And, you know, it was like it was really parallel, very yes. parallel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you talking about uh, performers, you've actually performed and collaborated with Lionel Richie. Yes. So he was on... He was singing with me and Matt Corby at the uh, Opera House at the grand final of Australian Idol. Right, okay. So we did the whole show together. It was um, pretty amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and artists at that level, let's call them at that level, where they've yeah. gone, you know, they're very well known and successful. Are they what you expect them to be? Or do you, do you find they're very guarded, which I, I could understand why if they are. I think Lionel Richie is an exception. Yeah. Uh, I think like seeing Chaka Khan, she was very guarded, but Lionel Richie was just really, really uh, a shining light. Absolutely just, when I was standing next to him, I just felt, I felt, <laughs> uplifted like i, I couldn't my jaw was dropped hey. yeah 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 i am pencil oh okay 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 jedi my son's just special guest yes special yeah, guest yes. jedi he's uh sharpening his pencils oh, that, hey that's more important than what we're doing <laughs> natalie but uh yeah so uh so all of that happened for you and you know, performing with all these major stars and stuff so then how long before you came back to Australia? Were you in the US for a while? I was in the UK. So I was living okay. in the UK for about five or six years. And I come back to Australia to visit. But yeah. I, I, I lived over there because I'm half Maltese. I have a European passport as well. Right. So I was able to live and work in Europe and in the UK. Fantastic. And so oh, it was amazing. And I lived and I, I taught in, in the UK. I did a lot of workshops and lecturing in different universities um, in East London and West London, then in Windsor as well. And then I moved to, the, to America and did some things over there. And then, but I went to Spain as well. So, and Germany and Amsterdam, Brussels. So I, I actually did a lot of touring while I was overseas. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and did um, the, 
you also run your own vocal coaching ministry, you call it. Yes. Is that something you set up while you're overseas or was that when you came back to Australia? Uh, it was when I came back. So right. all of the experience that I had overseas gave me, I guess, the courage and the wisdom to come back and start a vocal coaching ministry, which started off in COVID, during COVID. Right. as just a vocal coaching teaching kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I had some really amazing experiences through this coaching that it just became a ministry where I wasn't just coaching, I was actually helping people find their voice, their yeah. actual voice to speak, communicate, get courage to live their life the way they want to live their life. So what they, had, they had talent, but they were a little bit reserved to bring it out. Is that what you're yeah. saying? So talent, but not just talent, like women coming to me who, you know, haven't seen their children in years and getting custody back from their children, um, like living life using their voice to get courage to speak up. Yeah, no, that's so important, that sort of initiative. And it's good how you can sort of blend the whole coaching of, of vocal coaching and supporting these other challenges that people are. Cause, it, you know, it's unfortunately, it's uh, commonplace now, these sort of challenges that are out there. And uh, and I guess that's Correct. like, it's like a therapy, not only for them, but for you as well, right? It's, you, in, you obviously would enjoy doing that. Yeah, well, you took the words right out of my mouth. It is music therapy. Right. It is because I believe that God has given me an anointing. So when I write music, uh, something happens to people when I play them my songs or when I sing my songs or when they listen to my songs. I'll get messages from some of my students. I just heard your song and just had this major breakthrough. So everything I've been coaching them plus the songs brings it together for them and answers come in their own life and they have these major breakthroughs. And that is the biggest you know, reward for me that I could ever have because I get to write my music, I get to record my music, I get to perform, I get to coach children, I get to coach the mothers, music facilitators. I feel like it's just such a blessing. Yeah, and you get to change lives. That's effectively Correct. what you're doing. You're, you're, you're changing lives. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, what you, everything you do, which is all one, or just speaking to someone one-on-one -on -one and sharing your knowledge, which is fantastic. So, but you are now, back with a big single and yes. a new album, which is, um, I know we've spoken about it before on the radio. Um, there's, you've got a, a pop slash country single that's come out and, and um, there's a new album coming out. Is it July that your new album's July coming 5th. out? Yep, 5th July 5th of July. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so how was uh, all that experience of getting that back on? I mean, was there a break between this uh, single album type of music and your last piece of work? Yeah, there's been a few breaks. I think COVID kind of just, and being a mum, it was just like, how do I fit everything in? So I just had to have breaks every three or four months and then release another single. And so I released a lot on Spotify, but I didn't actually come out to the public. I was yeah. just kind of going online a little bit here and there. And a lot of it too is about understanding, because the world on social media moves so quickly. It's like understanding where do I fit in here? How do I communicate with my audience? Who are my audience? And it takes time to really gel everything together and then bring it out. You know, you need a plan basically. So I had to figure out where am I fitting in? And then 
after I think December last year, everything just kind of fell into place. All the, it was like last year and the year before were just preparation for me coming out to 2024, actually being that voice, being that presence, preparing. There's a lot of preparation, I think the last four years, I would say. Yeah. And before we go into the song itself, I wanted to ask you, how are you finding um, social media? Because back when you in when you were doing Idol and you released your your album, I don't think social media was as around or as that big as it is today. Like in Idol days? Yeah. You would have oh, been doing yeah. it the old way, posters and meet and greets and all that compared to now. You can just go on like you do meet and greets, I guess, but it's how are you finding that difference? Is that helping you? Is it more pressure? It is so much better now yeah. than what it was. Um, now I'm doing uh, independently what could only be done via record labels back then. Right. Now any artist has the opportunity to reach their fan base via social media. It's just okay. about cracking the codes, knowing how to get there. And it takes time because this is the thing, we've got to find our own voice within the chaos. Yes. And once you crack that code, you're in. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess getting your message out there, your brand and targeting. Correct. So, so it, it is a benefit because you hear a lot of negative stuff. I know. So I always say social media is a blessing and a curse. Well, so um, was Australian Idol. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. They, they, I know, think they, life is. <laughs> of course, of course. But um, yeah. So I think yeah. Hopefully that will help a lot of other young people, I guess, coming through. Others who want to come through. Like in the past, as you would know. To, um, I mean, I used to uh, work in a different industry and I had a couple of clients named uh, BMG Records and EMI Records. Oh, yeah. And talking to those senior people, not that I was involved in the music, but it sounded so difficult to even get a conversation with the people as an artist that you needed to talk to because it was such a, oh, I'm not going to say a club, but it was very... Clicky. Uh, Perky, very uh, narrow opportunity. Yeah. Is that a good uh, yeah, description? Yeah, it is. It's a. It is narrow, definitely, and that's why Australian Idol was like I felt my only option because yeah. I didn't know how else to to really get out there. Yeah, well, that's really all that there was. I mean, yeah. back then, social. If you had social media, that you know now. It's a different story. Anybody can go out. Look at the, the Justin Bieber's. Didn't he make it via internet? Uh, I actually think, well, who knows really the truth about Justin Bieber. We're, st we're yet to really find out what happened with him. Yeah. But um, there's a, so many different stories about Justin Bieber. I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, now the internet and social media makes a big difference for, yeah. for yourselves and other new people coming up. So, um, And also, so going back to the single, which is I Thought It Was You which yes. was released the 2nd of Feb, if I can remember, it was a couple of weeks yes. ago. Yeah, good yeah. memory. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's only been a couple of weeks. This is yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we've been, as on the radio, we've been playing a fair bit, which it's, uh, and it's uh, got a fantastic uh, feedback, which it's Thank a beautiful you. song. And as you said, it, it it's not only a song, it, it's actually uh, an emotion that touches other people's emotions. Does that make sense? Correct, yes because yeah. it's something that a lot of people can relate to. So um, so, so with the new album coming out in July, yes, I'm assuming there's a lot more of those tracks on yes, there? Yes, there's 12, there's 12 songs on the album, 13 songs on the album. Right. 
and two more singles or three yet to be released before the album. Mm -hmm. And the album is called Brand New Day and the single Brand New Day, like the song Brand New Day was written at the time uh, a year, about a year ago now, or no, not even, eight months ago. And uh, it really, the album is like a brand new day because I feel like every day of my life now, I wake up and it's a brand new day. Something shifts, something changes, and a miracle happens out of adversities and hardship. And yeah, so that's what the album is about. Yeah. So it's another day, another opportunity, basically. So That's um, right. That's you know, right. And uh, looking forward, what's the plan, Natalie? I mean, obviously you're releasing this uh, wonderful album, great singles, and but I don't know. It's a silly question. Next three, five. What's the what's the vision for you? What, what can you see? Oh, wow, Natalie Gauchi. Well, I I think ultimately music is something that I've been gifted with and will you know be with me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But I do feel that my mission is definitely expanding. It's not just about music anymore. And it's about truth. And it's about what you're saying about positivity. Mm -hmm. And so my role is now more a ministry and it's more about bringing up the children. Mm -hmm. God, God is moving me to work with children and also do like tours with my band. So I've got my first show coming up 5th of July at the Bird's Basement in Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah. So that will be my launch. And then I also have a charity that I'm putting together mm-hmm. called A Call to Wisdom. Uh-huh. And that's about raising funds to raise awareness about sexual abuse, domestic violence, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the things that are happening behind closed doors with families mums and dads and parents learning how to live in this world that we are confronted with at the moment and that's challenging at the moment for i mean i guess i'm sure it's been around forever these sort of challenges but it's good to have individuals like yourselves and like yourself putting these organizations together to support others i mean there isn't enough support no and i think it's about just becoming bringing awareness into it because I can't be the one to stop what is happening in the world, but I can be there to shine the light, to help people individually build their relationships with God, to find out how they can become joyful in their heart, peaceful in their heart, loving in their heart, to have loving relationships. And that's what this is all about. That's what we're all searching for in our life. Music is a massive part of that. Mm -hmm. Singing, speaking, delivering peace into our own family and life, that's where it starts. And allowing to say, okay, yes, there is a higher power out there that we can look up to. We don't have to carry burdens on our shoulders ourselves. It's not our responsibility. We can hand it over. We can be free of bondage, free of strongholds, free of, and our voices are exactly that. When we're yeah. free in our voice, we're free in our heart. Yeah, because in general, individuals that that matter if they're going through something or not, they don't want a handout. They just want a hand up and support. That's all people want. And right. unfortunately, not, it's, it doesn't happen as often as it should to help each other. And um, now this is a, that's a fantastic initiative. If there's anything we can help you with, Natalie, with that, just let us know. Happy to okay. to help with that. Um, yeah. So uh, so. 
you've got that and you mentioned that maybe you want to go and become you wanted to be a Jennifer Kai, a, journal, a, a journalist. journalist. <laughs> I, is that going to happen? You got radio it or something? Will. Or? I just, well, I've got to do it gradually. So the yeah. first step that I've been guided to do is just um, I have a new baby grand piano sitting there. Beautiful, yeah, lovely. And so I'm going to set up a little video and start doing live streaming and a bit of music, yep. a bit of talking, sharing, and just gradually putting it together, having a little show on YouTube later on, like a podcast. And just, I've got to get confident in the messages that I receive to share. And I've really got to be sure about it before I get out there and start, you know, sharing these messages that I receive. So it, I do get worldly uh, um, messages, like prophetic words and things like that. And I know now that is absolutely connected to what, you know, I'm going to be sharing. So I'm just going to give it another couple of years to really, because I'm a book, I write books. I've got a book called How to Get Out of a Broken Relationship. Because mm -hmm. there's lots of women and men who are stuck in these relationships where, you know, they're dangerous yeah. and toxic. And, you know, I, I have just got given this word to write this book and I'm still yet to promote that book and still yet to, you know, talk about relationships and love and, and that side of things because music is the way I'm doing it now. Music is that ministry. And then if people see the book on my website and they want it, that's fine. They can buy it, you yeah. know. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's coming. It's a gradual little process that is definitely going to happen. But, yeah, it's going to take time. Yeah, so coming soon. Uh, even yes. though you have your own streaming channel with Natalie yeah. Gauchi. Yes. Because you could obviously that's the platform that, you know, you're meant to be using, I guess, to yeah. reach and help others. Um, yeah. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, me too. So, yeah. So, Natalie, once again, um, appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us here on the podcast. Um, yeah, thanks again. You're you know, happy to uh, have you back at any time. And I know we'll, we'll talk on the radio as well at some yeah. point. But oh, uh, yeah, anytime, just let me know. I'm happy to share, happy to be a part of no it. No worries, no worries. And thank you so much for everything you're doing for helping others. Because, you know, there are some individuals in your industry and other industries that are just for themselves. But it's uh, definitely a positive life example that you're sharing with so many people. So thank you and congratulations on that, Natalie. Thank you. Thanks right. so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you for joining the podcast. You too. Thank, Thank you. you.